Hey, and welcome to All Things Renovation with Brandy the Boss Lady and Paul the Wood Magician. We're a fun-loving couple who eat, breathe, and live all things renovation, and we'll be your hosts on this podcast. We created the podcast to help you take a confident role in your renovation dreams and get your project done right, on time, on budget, and with quality craftsmanship. All right. Well, welcome to the show today, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about value engineering. And for those who don't know, value engineering is pretty much what it sounds like. We're going to try and find some more value out of our dollars in our project. It's basically a systematic and organized approach to providing necessary functions in a project at the lowest cost. Value engineering promotes the substitution of materials and methods with less expensive alternatives, um, ideally without sacrificing functionality. Value engineering is also called value analysis. And really what it's all about is making the best use of the available budget, managing that triangle of good, fast, and cheap, as well as the client expectations about the schedule, um, their non-negotiables, and conditions upon which the end pro uh, project is supposed to function in and what the expectations around that are. And you might be wondering, well, what are the steps involved here? Well, there may be a few alternative names, but when it comes down to it, there's usually five or six steps which people apply to almost anything when they're looking at value engineering, and that includes renovations. So the first step would be information gathering. As we all know, knowledge is power, and this step is all about collecting data, getting a clear understanding of the project, and in the case of many residential projects, establishing a more finite um, list of parameters of must-haves, maybe it's materials or schedule, um, some drawing specifications, uh, fixtures, finishes, everything is open, open to scrutiny at this stage. The second step would be analyzing the functions of the elements identified in the previous step and evaluate their necessity to the goals of the project, or as I like to call it, the brief, the project brief. Um, and there's two form, forms of function. There's a primary function, which is vital to the existence of the final product. And then there's the secondary functions, which are notable, but not critical to the core or the heart of the project. Another way to describe it is there's the basic fun function, which uh, is essential to the performance or to the user or the function of the space. Um, and the, the defining question around this would be, can this function be eliminated and still satisfy the user? Uh, the secondary function that would be required is any function that must be achieved to meet building codes or standards, or like I say, those, those owner non-negotiables. Um, non and then the secondary function outside of the required portion of that is uh, what if uh, something is removed from the design and will it still allow both the basic and required secondary functions to be met? So for example, uh, maybe you require double ovens and a large dining area in your new kitchen dining renovation that you're planning. And that is required because you host large family dinners every single week. and we need and require the space to basically have those people sit around the table and you also cook like a fiend and you need those ovens. But uh, a 
top tier stone countertop, for instance, would maybe not be as critical to the project as the space that you need to sit at the table and the ovens. So maybe it could be substituted for something different. So that's just a bit of an example of where the high level, you know, absolutely needed required items are to meet the brief and then maybe some other items that could potentially be uh, substituted. And then we get into step three, which is basically the creative aspect of it, the creative speculation. Uh, we're going to develop alternative solutions for delivering the necessary build functions, what the brief is requiring us to have. Basically, it's a great big brainstorming ex exercise to help generate potential solutions to reach those goals. Uh, the focus is often on uh, the big ticket items because they have the most opportunity to deliver value. But at this stage of the game, no viable options are eliminated, even those with, you know, what would be seemingly flaws, even if it is around the non-negotiable items. So the sort of the questions that we go through is like, what ex exactly is the item? Or what is it the part of the scope that we're talking about? What does it cost? What does it do? And why is it required? What's it worth? Uh, what else would do the job? And what else would that cost look like? So those are just a few of the questions that we typically try and ask ourselves as we're going through this process. Now, step four would be the evaluation step. So we're going to assess the alternative solutions. And by questioning the available options, we begin to weigh the alternatives one against the other. Uh, the primary focus of this discussion should be about how well each alternative can perform the function of the original brief what the what really we want the vision um, out of the, the the end goal for this project and in this step the details really do matter but you know what your expectations matter too so those must be discussed because delivering value is tremendous but at the end of the day if the owner and is not happy with uh, the overly compromised aspects of the project it may not actually delivered what the intended vision is or some of those non-negotiable things and that you know maybe yeah okay maybe we can bring it in on budget but you know is this going to be a really great space that the homeowner is going to be really happy to um, live in so sometimes you know we can sharpen the pencils as much as we want but we still want to have a project that really does deliver the brief of what the vision is from the client so um, you know we got to be sensitive around that and be realistic as well. So um, we have to remember that every choice has consequences and we have to be aware of the holistic effects of all of these different alternatives that we're weighing. Now step five would be the cost analysis. So we're going to allocate cost to all those different solutions and part of that cost is what is the the cost of the solution today and what will that look like over the life cycle of the product or the scope or what have you. So will a lesser product uh, need to be replaced earlier or maybe it might be requiring more maintenance over time or maybe it consumes more energy if we're talking about climate control. Uh, so the costs need to be detailed down as much as possible so that we can really start playing with we take this in or take this out and we put that in or we leave this in and we have to take that out so we can really get down to the bottom line but um, we really do need to keep in mind uh, these other lifetime costs that can impact uh, some of those decisions as well. And then the sixth step would be that we deliver 
these alternatives or develop these alternatives rather with the highest likelihood of success. So the, the timeline, the available resources may uh, influence some of those actions taken during this step. If we want something that is just not going to make the timeline or the schedule, maybe we really do have to, to substitute something else. Um, and then we do have to double check that, you know, the costs are what we think they're going to be. And we need to validate some of all of these decisions at this time. At the very least, we need to assemble all of these recommend, uh, recommendations and the, and the alternatives, really assess their advantages and disadvantages, and what the implementation of them looks like. So once you do all of that, you can start really playing with everything and you can come to a, a conclusion of, of choice, I suppose, if you want to call it that. But overall, the key to a, the success of a value engineering effort is to develop a, a more precise and appropriate definition of value. Ultimately, the homeowner is responsible for defining the quality level of a project, and the designer, if used on the project, is responsible for producing a design that meets those expectations or requirements. Often, the owners tend to define define only the lower limit of those expectations, and of course, the designers often exceed those minimums. Uh, numerous times I've been on projects where basically the, the design has out, has broken the budget, which is a really, it's a real big bummer because it's, it's painful for both the contractors and then the, the homeowner to have to, to receive that bad news and then have to go through this process. So, um, Better quality sometimes does not always equal better value, even though sometimes designers maybe feel this. Um, but usually we want to, you know, balance everything together. And, and ultimately it's the owner uh, or the client who must establish what really constitutes value and communicate that to everyone on the project. And it's also why having all of the parties who will be involved in the project come together at the start of the planning process so that one voice is not breaking the bank at the end of the day and then the client is going to be disappointed. So having multiple voices in, in on around any table is actually a really good thing and, and we can usually come up with a really great project and really massage everything so that it does fit within the client budget. So um, for a project that is within budget, Sometimes value engineering, the emphasis is usually a focus on improving the value of the operations or the flexibility or the life cycle. And maybe there's some room to increase the quality of a product that we use within the scope for a project that's over budget. Usually the focus is on uh, cost reduction, but we want to look at the cost reductions, but we don't want to erode the value of what's going into that project. And ultimately, if a substantial cost reduction is required, say more than like 10 or 15 percent, um, the value action engineering exercise should really focus on reconsidering what our end objective is going to be. Um, so we don't dilute the quality of the build um, just to suit the budget and then have a substandard sort of result at the end. I'd rather scale back on the scope or do some a phased approach to the work so that we can really maintain a good quality of work um, before I would dilute it to the point where it's, you know, going to be something where over time the maintenance and replacement longevity of the products and things that we put into the the product or into the project at the end of the day um, don't need to be replaced. It's like, you know, buying that 
you know, really cheap shirt off, you know, the the sidewalk one day and then you wash it twice and all of a sudden it falls apart. Now you got to go buy another t-shirt. Like we don't want to get into that um, situation with a renovation, obviously, because there's lots of disruption and heartache and everything that goes into it sometimes. And I mean, why do you want to relive that? Right. So let's do a renovation. Let's do it right the first time. And then we don't have to deal with any of that. So um, I, I guess a major disadvantage of looking at the value engineering would be that it's often misperceived as a, simply a, a, a cost reduction thing and it doesn't really consider that lifestyle which is sort of what I just pointed out with the t-shirt analogy um, so you need to be sure to keep your your brief or your vision in mind as well as those non-negotiables um, front and center when you're evaluating everything to make sure that you're not eroding um, and diluting what that actually is for you at the end of the day anyway so um, I hope that these steps have provided some food for thought and when seeing what you can do to get greater value for dollar on your next renovation. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today and learning about all things renovation. We hope after listening, you feel even more empowered to take a confident role in your renovation dreams. You can find all additional episodes and resources for all things renovation at our website, allthingsrenovation.com. And if you're ready to make your house feel more like home, you can contact us at woodbeart.com to get started on your dream project now.